0: An expert in the fields of charisma and leadership, Olivia Fox has lectured at Stanford, Yale, Harvard, MIT, and the United Nations. As a frequent keynote speaker and executive coach to the leadership of Fortune 500 companies, she helps people increase their ability to influence, persuade, and inspire others. And she's the author of The Charisma Myth, How Anyone Can Master the Art and Science of Personal Magnetism. And she's joining us today on Amy's Table. Welcome, Welcome Olivia. Great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here.
0: Well, I have to ask you the million-dollar question. What is charisma? How do you (laughs) define that?
1: Well, everyone has their own definition, but charisma is the ability to get people to like you, trust you, and want to follow you. It's the way you get people to do whatever you want them to do. And, in fact, it's the ability to move through a room and have people go, wow, who's that?
0: And it seems like that's something people are born with, or at least that's sort of what we've all been led to believe. You either got it or you
1: don't. Yeah, that's the impression. And yet, charisma is a learned behavior. It's not innate. It can be learned. You can think of it a bit like driving. Some people are born with more of a predisposition for good driving, and I'm really not one of them. I've to <laughs> become Danica Patrick. Um, but I learned basic driving through practice. Charisma is the same way. We might all, not all become Bill Clinton, but all of us can improve our charisma in spades.
0: And, you know, when you, you say Bill Clinton, he is often the poster child for charisma. People bring up his name when you're in a room with him. Apparently, he just turns on the magnetic charisma. Mm-hmm. What
1: are is, those What are those characteristics? Well, I'm so glad you bring up Clinton because, indeed, the three characteristics of, of charisma, which are presence, power, and warmth, is what Clinton does so well. He hits all three. He gets three for free in a way that few other people do. Clinton, if you think of the presence, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. That's full presence.
0: And how does
1: one learn to do that to others? Well, my favorite tip is a bit quirky, but it's simple and it's really effective, is simply to think about the physical sensations in your toes. Because if you focus right now on the physical sensations in your toes, it forces your mind to sweep through your entire body from head to toe, of course, and it gets you very physically present in the moment.
0: Wow, I just did that. <laughs> Excellent. I did. I just focused on my toes. I'm pretty sure my producer did too. <laughs> He's nodding <laughs> his head. <laughs>
1: That's very cool. So it just sort of grounds you literally through your toes. In a very physical sense, yes. And this is something that you can do for just one second in the middle of conversations here and there. And you, you never would have thought that your toes were critical to charisma. And yet they are because it gets you, anything that gets you physically present and focused on aware of what's happening moment by moment is a good thing.
0: Well, it sounds a little bit like, and I'm probably way oversimplifying it, but it sounds a little bit like charisma is making other people feel great, maybe. And when somebody's not paying full attention to you, you don't feel very good. You don't feel drawn to that person. You feel alienated.
1: That's a very good way to put it. One of my favorite stories happened in the 18th century in uh, the elections in London in 1866, and this is under Queen Victoria, so... Whoever won was going to rule half the world. And William Gladstone was running against Benjamin Disraeli. The last week before the elections, one young lady happened to go out to dinner with both of of the rivals on consecutive evenings. Of course, the British press asked her what impression the rivals had made on her. And she said, after dining with Mr. Disraeli, after dining with Mister Gladstone, sorry, I thought that he was the cleverest man in England. After dining with Mr. Disraeli, I thought I was the cleverest woman in England, (laughs) right? And guess who won the election? It was, of course, Israeli. Charisma is not a question of making you look good. I always tell my, my coaching clients, don't try to impress them. Let them impress you, and they will love you for it.
0: Oh, wow, that's very well put. Boy, that's worth remembering. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Well, you say that the three sets are presence and power and warmth, and I understand the presence. We're paying attention to our toes. How about power, though?
1: Power is not what we necessarily think of as the power to command an army. It's more the amount of confidence that we can broadcast through our body language. Because if you appear confident, people will assume you have something to be confident about. In general, people will accept whatever you project. So body language
0: is something I believe can be learned, but boy, oh boy, that would take a lot of practice. What are some just, you know, quick tip body language power movements?
1: Well, the good news with body language is that you don't have to control the tens of thousands of body language units that pour out through you every second. All you need to do is go straight to the source of your body language, which is your mind. And for example, for power, one of my favorite ones is to ask my clients to stand like a military general. Just experience it. If you stand like a five-star general, you're going to widen your stance automatically. You're going to puff up your your chest, broaden your shoulders, and maybe put your hands behind your back. And imagine that you're reviewing your troops, a little, you know, a whole troop of little GI Joe figures marching um, on the floor in front of you. And that will automatically put you in a physiological stance, which sends a chemical boost through your veins of assertiveness and confidence-promoting hormones. So you actually experience a measurable physiological shift, which then puts you in a better psychological confidence which then of course affects your body language in turn and the whole virtuous cycle starts all you have to do is get it going
0: and obviously, practice. You know, I have to say that that uh, one of the things about charisma is warmth. And when you look at your entire resume, your entire bo- bio, and your work with the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal, and MIT, and Stanford, and Yale, you're so warm, even to us we <laughs> common folk here. With the charisma, you've got it going in spades, and I love that. I'm
1: just a goofy introvert. That's why I'm a hopeless, socially inept, awkward
0: introvert. <laughs> no, well, there's different styles of charisma that you talk about in the book, The Charisma Myth, How Anyone Can Master the Art and Science of Personal Magnetism. But I know no matter your charisma style, the first impression, that really can set the tone for how people perceive your charisma, can't it?
1: It really can. I'm so glad you bring that up. People don't realize that they are judged in two seconds. Hmm. Within two seconds, people will judge your level of education, intelligence, trustworthiness, social success. And what you do in those first two seconds, you haven't even spoken yet. It's all about your body language, what you're wearing, and how you walk into the room.
0: So Mm -hmm. there are exercises in the book that I think are very cool about presence and and, uh, responsibility transfer. I'm not sure I understand that one yet. but So you can really practice this through the things like paying attention to what's in your toes and the good standing like a general. But let's say you're having a bad day. How does somebody like Bill Clinton, either A all the crisis he went through in in his, um, you know, time as president, or let's just say you're just, you got a lot on your mind. How do you overcome those obstacles and still exude charisma?
1: Well, actually, I'm, I'm so glad that you bring this one up because the responsibility transfer plays a key part here. And the reason for that is that when we're going through a crisis, what, The hardest thing for us to deal with is the uncertainty of how it's going to turn out. That's the anxiety. The human brain is really not built to handle uncertainty well. The responsibility transfer is very simple. It works both for atheists and for theists. And what happens is very simple. If you close your eyes for just a second, don't do this while driving, but you can just imagine, (laughs) and pick one entity, whether present or past, mythical or actual, whether it be God, Jesus, Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, the Buddha, whoever it might be, and any one anyone entity that you or the universe or fate and any one entity onto which you can briefly imagine just for a split second, push off your shoulders the entire weight of everything you're worried about, everything you feel responsible for. Push that off your shoulders and put it onto the shoulders of that entity, the universe, God, Jesus, whoever it might be for you. That, for a split second, gives you a relief feeling. And even if your mind doesn't really believe it, By the time the cognitive disbelief kicks in, it's too late. You've already experienced the emotional payoff.
0: That's amazing. That is amazing. You You know, I have heard something similar. Uh, Maya Angelou says that whenever she goes to speak in front of a a big group, she takes with her mentally everyone who has ever been kind to her.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The brain does not know the difference between imagination and reality, yeah. so you really should be using the placebo effect to its full force, and the responsibility transfer is one of the most effective ways to do that. A lot of the book are actually real-life Jedi mind tricks that ha- help you essentially get a charismatic brain, so that then it emanates naturally throughout your body language. This is so
0: interesting. So interesting. And is it ever too early to start? I mean, sh- can parents help their children with charisma? Can we, you know, help our friends and family with
1: charisma? Or You really can. Things like the responsibility transfer or things like using the placebo effect or cognitive reframing are something that I really wish would be taught in K-12. Yeah. It's something that could be very useful for kids, for example, who are going through difficult experiences, who are experiencing insecurity, low self-confidence, I can imagine teenagers really benefiting from this.
0: I can, too. I really can. And, of course, I suppose that if their parents are modeling this behavior, they're going to be able to just learn it a little bit by example as well. Well, again, the book is The Charisma Myth, How Anyone Can Master the Art and Science of Personal Magnetism by Olivia Fox. And, Olivia, it has been fascinating to talk to you. I think I'm going to think about my toes. I'm going to think of you every time I think about my toes. That's so interesting. Thanks so much for all the information.
1: Sure thing. It was actually a pleasure. You're listening to Amy's Table. It's Amy's Table. A
0: girl's guide to living. With
1: Amy Tobin on Q102.